0: to our third episode in this sub-mini-series on the sacrament of penance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Peter, St. Paul, all you holy apostles, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In our last episodes, we have been covering unlimited and necessary as two qualities of the sacrament of penance. I want to just further clarify one thing before we get into this quality that is judicial. Why would we call the sacrament of penance judicial? This is an important part of what we are doing as we go to confession, and it's an important part of what the priest is doing as he is there listening to and seeking to absolve the penitent or the one that is uh, confessing. This last thing is we talked about how mortal sins are the primary sins that are necessary to confess within the sacrament of confession. And that is to submit them under the power of the keys. Now, venial sins are not necessary to list, if you remember what I said. I said that it is also a very beneficial thing to do so because in listing them, in a sense we take ownership of them. We confess them outright as well as acknowledging humbly our faults. But also, what we confess in the sacrament of confession is something I think we receive more graces to help us to not fall into those sins again. And of course, we don't want to commit any kind of sin, venial or mortal. Never should we be thinking along the lines of, as long as it's not mortal, it's not a big deal. No, everything and anything that is offensive to God is something that needs to be entirely rejected by us Christians. I'll read a quote here from Paul and Proust that help us to understand because the nature of the sin that is venial is different from the nature of the mortal sin, this is why we have, in essence, the, the reason uh, for not having to confess these mortal sins. As I said, they can be confessed, venial sins that is, can be, con- uh, can be forgiven in, in, in many different scenarios. The reason why venial sins need not be confessed lies in their very nature. They do not destroy the supernatural life of the soul, nor entail eternal damnation. Consequently, they cannot, in the nature of things, remain permanently unforgiven. Somehow and at some time, God must pardon all venial sins. Hence, mortal sins are the only necessary subject matter of the ecclesiastical power of the keys. Hence, mortal sins are the only necessary power... Necessary, uh, necessary subject matter. Sorry, of the ecclesiastical power of the keys. End quote. So that is to say that our venial sins, though they are offensive to God, though they wound us in particular ways in which makes it easier for us to commit mortal sins, though they darken our intellect and harden our wills and make it harder for us to choose what is right, the reality is that I am or all of us who are committing venial sins are committing something that is dangerous but not something that is entirely deadly, at least in and of itself. By its very nature, we can continue to live. By its very nature, we are able to continue on. By its very nature, we are still united to God with sanctifying grace within us. So long as, of course, we started with sanctifying grace before we committed those venial sins. And therefore, they don't have to be confessed, but it is smart to do so, and I think it is pious to do so. The power of the church to forgive sins is judicial, It is a judicial power. If you think we have everything that is necessary in a sense, we have a penitent or the defendant, let's say. We have a court that is the the confessional itself. We have a judge that is the priest. And so the judge, excuse me, the priest is not simply one who is there as a means by which the mercy of God is uh, poured upon and into the soul of the penitent. Rather, the priest is there as a judge as well. And again, this isn't to condemn. The point isn't that the judge can stand and somehow be better than somebody else. Oftentimes, we priests, we're forgiving or absolving the sins of people that are holier than us. That's not to be argued. The point is not how much greater I am. The point is that I am there as a servant in hopes to help to bring not just the justice, but also the mercy of God. And so in being judged, the priest is there in order to ensure that justice is a reality for the soul that is confessing their sins. We cannot forget the importance of justice. Oftentimes, we want to just focus on the mercy of God. God is merciful, God is merciful, and that is such a reality and such a good thing and such a blessing. But God is perfectly just. We should not ever allow ourselves to forget this. And therefore, it does matter what, we, what sins we, can, we, we, we confess. It does matter how we confess them. It does matter if I'm truly sorry or not. It does matter that I try to do the best that I can as I confess my sins, rather than to go in there flippantly, just simply naming anything that comes to mind in that moment. And it does matter that I want to do better, that I want to begin to hate more and more sin, that which separates me from God. And it does matter what I do after the sacrament of confession. And so penance, that which the priest gives, it can be to read some scripture, it can be to say some Hail Marys and Our Fathers, it can be to meditate more, it can be to fast more, it can be to give alms, it can be many different things. That penance, though, is directed at helping us to make reparations for those sins— so in other words, to heal a lot of the temporal punishments and the remains or the relics of sin. I believe a little bit later we'll discuss some more of what the remains or the relics of sin are. And then we'll, uh, that, that penance is also something that helps us to be more firm in our resolution, to not fall into this sin again. So it makes sense then, especially in relation to the sins that we just confessed, to have a penance that is in some ways related to what we have done. For instance, perhaps we've committed many sins of our tongue, then it is beneficial for us to use our tongue in a way through our penance, as well as through other practices of our own, to use our tongue to bless God and perhaps also to bless other people. If we spend a lot of time gossiping, then maybe we should go around trying to build up the character of other people around us because that is what we can do that will serve other people, that will demonstrate to God that we love him and that we don't want to fall into these sins again, that we want to use our tongue in a way that glorifies him and builds up people around us not in a way that destroys that causes havoc and destruction and that is what gossip does as well as that is what lying does as well as that is what uh, all kinds of, of, of of hideous or inappropriate words and jokes and these kinds of things it causes problems and division and destruction and eventually demolition of souls or of communities or of relationships and even families the council of trent makes this clear that the priest in the confessional is a judge He is not there to condemn, however, as I said. He is there to offer or retain absolution according to the disposition of the penitent. Quote, if anyone says that the sacramental absolution of the priest is not a judicial act, let him be anathema, end quote. Council of Trent is clear. There is a judgmental side or a side of judgment on the priest, not in a way that is contrary to the scriptures. Not trying to condemn the person as a terrible person, but simply there to ensure that the person is of the right disposition to be forgiven. That the person is there trying sincerely to take every advantage of the sacrament there, rather than to take it for granted. Some people will come in with no sorrow, willing to commit all of those sins again, not having a problem with what they've done. And that is insufficient. If a child is there, let's say somebody that is about to receive confirmation, and he's only there because his mother is forcing him to go to confession before receiving the sacrament of confirmation, then that child is not in a good disposition, both for the sacrament of confession as well as confirmation. That is a sacrilegious act. You have no intention of engaging in and and casting yourself into uh, this wonderful mercy of God, taking full advantage with great appreciation, reverence, and humility, that which we have as a result of the sacrament of penance. And that is something that then is a disposition that is insufficient, for one to receive absolution. The priest, in other words, should deny absolution to those who are not sorry for their sins, for those that are not wanting to do better, for those that have no intention of avoiding the same sins in the future. Therefore, penance, as I said, is a judicial, judicial sentence. The power of the keys to bind is a power to refuse absolution. So again, it relates to the sin itself, forgiving it or not, binding or loosening that sin. But it also has to do with binding or loosing a person to a particular sentence, or a penance, that is. So, it also is a power to punish through a penance. A priest binds a penitent to a particular punishment, that is the penance. Now, we don't want to get into this idea that the priest is there to chastise the person. He's not there to condemn the person. He's not there to ruin souls. He's not there to judge and feel as if he is somehow superior to that soul. He is there to bring the mercy of God. But with the mercy of God comes justice of God. And therefore, take seriously the penance that the priest gives because that can be something that is substantially healing. That is truly a judgment that God himself abides by. In other words, that when the priest gives a penance to the penitent. And that penitent goes and in humility fulfills that penance. That there is much good that occurs for the sake of the soul of that penitent in fulfilling the penance. So instead of saying, a priest is not better than me, who is he to give me a judgment, a sentence, a punishment for my sins? Only God can judge me. Only God can... Agreed. We're not arguing that. But... We should rather have the attitude, thank God the priest is giving me this penance. Because God has ordered this soul of the priest to such an extent that he works through this priest in order to put better blessings and and, and graces upon my soul as one who is confessing. And so when that priest gives me in his official capacity as priest, as there, as judge in in the sacrament of confession... This sentence, Then now he is giving me a means by which I am able to glorify God even more. I am able to make this action, which would, let's say, otherwise, if done in love and in the state of grace, would be beneficial, is now far more beneficial as the official penance of the, of the, of the sacrament of confession. All that to say, the penance is something that is very beneficial. It's something that is helpful. It's something that will help you to stay out of purgatory. It's something that will help you to lessen your time in purgatory. It is something that will help you to not fall into those sins again. It is something that will help you to get closer to God. So take seriously the penance. You should fulfill that penance as soon as you possibly can within reason. Have a good reason. Why you would put a penance off for a while? Maybe you don't have the Bible next to you, and so you can't read the scriptures immediately. So then you go and give prayers of thanksgiving and glory to God after your your confession, and then when you go home, you look into the to the scriptures and fulfill your penance that way. Something of this sort, of course, is fine. What's not fine is if we put off the penance for a very long time, and, and perhaps making it something that is uh, now a temptation to actually forget to do it. The penance is important. It is not absolutely essential. So we'll probably talk a little bit more about this when we get into how to make a good confession, but it's good for us to know at least as soon as possible um, that a penance is not necessary for the sake of the validity of the sacrament. If I forget to do my penance that the priest gave me, I should not believe my sins are now not forgiven. It is this willingness to accept the penance that is essential however uh, that penance as I said is incredibly beneficial so if I forget to do my penance and let's say it's been so long I've forgotten what the penance is then I should do something as close to what I can remember maybe I knew it was about reading two chapters I just don't remember which ones maybe I remember it was something with the rosary and I'll just pray an entire rosary Go beyond what you think it is. Get as close as you can and then go beyond it to be safe and then confess that in the in the next confession. Father, I forgot to do my penance. I had a little bit too much time. I didn't do it in a way that I think is uh, responsible. In other words, as soon as I possibly can within reason and therefore I ended up forgetting what it was. Please forgive me for this. And perhaps that priest might give you an extra penance on top of that or something of this sort. But please do not go back to the priest and ask him what the penance was. The priest should not be speaking with anybody, even the person that was in the sacrament of confession with them, about the penance or about anything else that was mentioned in the sacrament. And therefore, it is not appropriate for me to give a penance and then somebody to leave and forget what that is and then walk right back into the confessional and say, hey, what was that penance again? I know it might sound weird, but the protection, the seal of the sacrament of confession, that is, This kind of silence that every priest is bound to is such, of great importance, is such a sanctified and solemn reality. Because we never want to break that seal. We never want to lead somebody into understanding the sins of somebody else when that person had confessed to me and confided in me those sins, going and confessing to God. That I don't even want to get close to it. It would not technically be breaking the seal for me to discuss sins or penances with with the person that confessed to me. But it is abusing the seal. And therefore, it is not something that should be done. Rather, that person needs to go do the best that they can, what the penance was, if they have no idea, then set another penance for themselves that they think is more severe than what it was going to be by the priest, and then go confess that the next time you go to confession. We're weak. We forget things. God understands. He knows our intentions. Sometimes in the sacrament of confession, we might be uh, with so much anxiety or we might be so fearful. Or we might be fearful. Oh, hopefully not, but that is the reality at times. We might be so uh, concerned with naming every sin or something of this sort that we actually just kind of miss what the priest said. Not intentionally, we just got distracted because we're trying to do good in the sacrament. Okay, that's fine. That happens. So do the best that you can and come back to the sacrament of confession realizing God is perfectly merciful. He is good, and it is good to mention that in the sacrament. The priest is not just judge, though. He is also doctor. So we don't want to get so fixated on this idea that the priest is judge and he's giving me a punishment and these kinds of things that we forget that the priest is also there as doctor. Remember, the priest is there in person of Christ the head. Christ is king of all, but he's also the judge. He will be the one that judges us, both at our particular and our final judgment. And he is also the great and divine physician. God is the only one that can heal us. He's the only one that knows the wounds, the depths of them, the the, the destruction of them, the infection perhaps that some of them have within our soul. He's the only one that can truly heal us from them. Therefore, it is very good for us to recognize God the, the, the priest in God, uh, excuse me, God in the priest and, and working through the sacrament of confession. But that priest is there both as judge as well as doctor that penance is not just there as a punishment. It is also there as a remedy. It's a medicine that the doctor pours on the soul. If a person is really struggling with lust or is really struggling with with gluttony, well, we know from the spiritual writers that gluttony and lust, these are two sins of the flesh that are very much related. And therefore, perhaps in seeing a person struggling with lust, they can recognize that there might be a problem also with gluttony. And so, Fighting uh, gluttony with uh, temperance, with with a virtue, in other words, by practicing and implementing a virtue through fasting, which is also a virtue, building that virtue up as well. That these kinds of things fight against gluttony that can help us, it kind of pours over into helping us to be more pure as well to develop that virtue. Sometimes it might be really difficult for a person to directly work towards the virtue of chastity as well as purity, but they might have an easier job working towards the virtue of temperance and of uh, fasting, and therefore building those up might make it easier eventually to then be more pure, as I said. So the priest is there not just as judge, but also a doctor. The sacrament of confession is a beautiful thing, but it's also in some ways a kind of difficult thing because a priest really needs to be continuously brushing up on moral theology and better understandings of virtues and vices as well as having some kind of understanding of tendencies and habits and attachments as well as having some kind of understanding of psychological kind of workings how the mind works and how people might be misguided in certain ways or what scrupulosity is and how that works with certain people versus other people and these kinds of things and so it's it's A very small amount of time that a priest has the ability to kind of hear some of the difficulties and to make both the judgment which again is going to be almost always this 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 falling back on the idea that the person is here coming to confession so they're probably very contrite and they're wanting to do better but then also as doctor to hear all of these symptoms these problems these wounds these diseases perhaps depending on what they're confessing and to find a remedy that might perhaps help. Both in the, the spiritual direction, perhaps you might receive just a little bit of that. It's not necessary, but perhaps some from the priest. But also in the penance itself, that that is a medicine. It's something that God can heal through us in humbly fulfilling that penance. The Trentine Council, that is the Council of Trent, also declares, quote, the sacrament of penance is necessary unto salvation for those who have fallen after baptism. That is, fallen into mortal sin after baptism. As baptism itself is for those who have not as yet been regenerated or born again, in a sense. End quote. So the same council further declares that, quote, Although it sometimes happens that contrition is perfect through charity and reconciles a man with God before the sacrament is actually received, the said reconciliation nevertheless is not to be ascribed to that con- contrition independently of the desire of the sacrament which is included therein so again i mentioned that uh, that that quote that i believe i have uh i i know i've already read to it, it to give once again a greater emphasis on the penitent's role as we talk about the priest being both judge and both doctor. As we speak of the penance as both a type of punishment or a sentence from the judge, as well as a form of medicine, we don't wanna focus so much on the priest and as well on the penance that we forget about the disposition of the the penitent the one that is coming that his contrition his willingness to do the penance these kinds of things are so necessary as well for the sacrament to be done well as and for the person to be better as they leave that sacrament both from the graces they receive but also in this kind of resolve this true desire this hunger to do better the council of Trent also says Quote, keep in view that the satisfaction which they impose, the priests that is, the penance, in other words, be not only for the preservation of new life and a medicine of infirmity, but also for the avenging and punishing of past sins. End quote. So this is directly from the Council of Trent. So anybody that might deny that the sacrament is both a a, a judgment as well as a doctor or a physician Uh, checkup or medicine um, that this is false that the reality is that a penance is given both for the punishment as a judicial uh, sentence as well as this uh, preservation of new life and a medicine for the healing of the soul so moving back obviously towards this importance of understanding the penance properly the penance is an act of reparation we should make right what we have made wrong. We should make acts of charity where we have failed in our acts of charity as a result of our gossiping and of our hate and of our anger that has exploded into wrath and a desire for vengeance and these kinds of things. This may sound harsh, but the reality is that our mortal sins cast us from the communion of the church. They deserve the pains of hell and they destroy our souls. It is a real grace and mercy to have the sacrament of penance A priest who will loosen those mortal sins and the penance that he binds the person or the penitent to will help them to avoid the same sins again, will help them as well, as I said, in paying or making reparations for the sins that they have committed. Another quote. When the sinner appears in the tribunal of penance, the priest acts precisely as a judge in court. If after hearing the evidence he finds that the sinner is penitent, is truly repenting of their sins contritely, he looses him from his sins and at the same time also binds him after a fashion by imposing a certain satisfaction or penance. This satisfaction or penance is partly calculated to propitiate, that is to continue on and to, 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 to aid, divine justice and partly intended to prevent a relapse into those sins. If on the contrary the confessor finds the sinner as often, excuse me, uh, unworthy of absolution, he retains his sins and obliges him to return to the tribunal of penance as often as necessary until he is properly disposed. The entire procedure is not arbitrary, dictated by personal whims, but governed by divine law, which provides that the contrite and humble should be absolved. Whereas the unrepentant sinner should be sent away until he shows true sorrow for his sins. Because without true sorrow, there can be no forgiveness. And the exercises of the power of loosing would be null and void. If a person were to come into the sacrament of confession and have no desire to amend their life, to change, has no problem falling back into those sins, is not truly sorry for their sins. And the priest says the words of absolution over them that absolution is still void, even when the priest does so. Therefore, there is no tricking the priest in the sense that, I should say, you can trick the priest. There is no tricking God who is behind the priest. And so when a person comes, he may have tears in his eyes and be acting very sorry, sorrowful. In reality, though, has no problem with the sins that he's committed and doesn't think much of them. The priest, hearing these tears and this sorrowful attitude and this, what seems to him, a true contrite disposition is willing to forgive. But that lack of proper disposition on the penitent's part will prevent the actual absolution from taking place. There is not the proper matter of the sacrament of penance and therefore it falls short. We will briefly in the next episode, uh, so soon uh, in the next episode, we will begin speaking about matter and form, which is a little bit unique in the sacrament of penance. Penance is a type of satisfaction, as I continue to say. Guilt and punishment are distinct. We've always understood guilt and punishment being distinct, as I've mentioned in the previous episodes. Therefore, through confession, the guilt is remitted, but all or some of the temporal, not eternal, but the temporal punishment remains. The sacrament of penance is not there to wipe out all temporal punishment. Remember, baptism wipes out all of the sin, that is the guilt, and all of the punishment, that is eternal punishment, and all of the temporal punishment from the person that is baptized the sacrament of penance is distinct it's not a a, another form of baptism it's in a sense a type of continuation of baptism in the sense that we receive once again the regeneration of, of of god's grace into us but it is not a regeneration in the sense of being born again into god's family or anything of the such but if we are in mortal sin we are dead members of the family of god and we receive that life back into us Therefore, penance is a means by which we satisfy or remit all or some of the temporal punishment. Therefore, it is a means by which we can receive the remission of some of that temporal punishment. But it is not there for the sake of all people always that receive validly the sacrament of penance uh, and a complete remission of all of their temporal punishments. Example from Holy Scripture that demonstrates that there is a difference between The guilt of the sin and the punishment of the sin. Why I keep emphasizing this, ad nauseum, probably y'all are annoyed at this point, is because it's important. There is no distinction from anything that I've ever seen in Protestant theology. That if God forgives you, you are cleaned entirely. That's why there's no reason for a purgatory in Protestant theology, or at least the vast majority of Protestant theology. But the reality is that there is a true need for purgatory. And in fact, it is a great mercy of God that purgatory is a reality. Let us see. 2 uh, Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 through 15, makes this clear, this distinction, again, between guilt and punishment. Because David, as he's clearly repentant for the sins that he has committed, and makes this repentance, this sorrow, true and known to Nathan, a prophet. Nathan responds to him that he is forgiven of his sins and he will not die as a result of his sins. I mean, eventually, obviously, he'll die, but he won't die directly as a result of that sin that he committed. But he also makes it known to David that as a result and a punishment for the sin that he did commit, his son will die. And he did lose a son. In fact, throughout David's life, he lost more than one David had a bit of a difficult life, even though it seems rather blessed in the sense that he was anointed at this young age. He was able to go conquer this massive Philistine, this big old giant, uh, with a, a rock and a sling. But he also had many difficulties as well. He had many difficulties with people seeking to kill him. He had difficulties with his own children, one of whom did try to kill David. Although penance can be a type of restitution, It is better that we distinguish between these, that is, restitution and reparation and the medicine and the punishment that we've already discussed. Restitution is a different thing altogether, though your penance can, in some ways, perhaps be a part of the restitution. Restitution is the restoring of justice that we have uh, distorted or disordered in our actions. To the extent that we can, regarding injuries of damage to property or injuries or damage to the honor of another person we are obligated obligated to make restitution to that so this is an important part that almost is never discussed anymore The church has always understood there are certain sins that demand a type of restitution. And that restitution is very much a part of the contrition that you have. And therefore, if you have no means, or excuse me, not no means, if you have no intention to restore or make restitution for certain sins, those sins would not be forgiven you because you have no real desire to do better and to overcome and humbly submit these sins to both the power of the keys and the mercy of God that comes through the power of the keys. For instance, if I, out of anger, take a bat to somebody's car, that person didn't do anything to me, somebody over here said something to me, I take a bat to that person's car. I owe restitution to that person. If I come and I confess my sin of anger and of violence to that extent, and yet, that guy is not my problem, I said my piece, I went to the sacrament of confession, I'm clear and good. No, the church would say you need to do what you can to make restitution. Now, unfortunately, because of sins of our past, perhaps not knowing this, we've confessed sins that were a damage to property or the honor of other persons, and we never made restitution for them then begin now. If it's possible for you to reach out to various people in order to make restitution as you should, then do so. If it's not possible, because perhaps it would mean to indict yourself, it would mean to, to basically confess to a, a type of um, sin that you committed in breaking a, a civil law that would then result in your being imprisoned and therefore leaving your children and your, and your wife without somebody to feed them, et cetera, then make restitution in other ways. There are many ways, I think, in which restitution can be made. It needs to be done to the actual persons that we have offended to the best that we can. If, for instance, that person that I took a, uh, that, who owns the car to which I took a bat drives off, never see him again and have no idea who he was, have no way of getting a hold of him or anything of this sort, maybe this was 30 years ago, whatever, then I can, at the very, very least, I can begin praying and fasting for that man's soul. Because if I'm able to benefit him by moving towards God and entering into heaven, that is a phenomenal form of restitution. That is an awesome repayment for what I've done to his physical object that probably he wouldn't have no more than three or five or ten years. Same way, damaging one's honor. That is, if I begin detracting through gossip, etc., somebody's reputation in the eyes of somebody else, without a just reason to do so. This is unjustly damaging this reputation. It is also leading this other person into sin because not just gossiping is a sin, but also listening willfully to gossip is a sin. Sometimes perhaps you're at work and you can't help it because you're sitting at your desk and somebody else is is doing something. But when it is something that is avoidable, we need to avoid even listening to gossip. Therefore, As a person who has damaged the reputation, the honor of this person, I need to go back to that person to whom I have gossiped and restore the honor to the best that I can, apologizing, saying I shouldn't have said those things, or just simply building back up the reputation of this person about whom I gossiped to this one person. These are clear and logical forms of demonstrating that we are truly sorry for our sins and having a desire to not do them again. Restitution is not necessary for every one of the sins, like reparation is. I wanna use those words differently because they're used theologically differently. However, restitution is extremely useful in helping us to not fall into those sins again. The more times you have to go to somebody and say sorry, the more you're gonna grow in humility and the more you're gonna hate to sin because it's not fun for us to apologize. It is a necessary and beautiful and very beneficial, in the spiritual life, very beneficial practice. But it is not something that we generally will find easy or fun to do. The priest is not there on his own behalf. Of course, we know this. But Christ acts through him. Christ is our ultimate judge. He is our ultimate doctor. Therefore, the sacrament of penance is not about what the priest might think of you. He became a priest because he wants to bring mercy to God. I say this again, and I will continue to say this, because I want people to understand the beauty of the sacrament of penance. Don't allow Satan or your own anxieties or insecurities to overshadow the beauty of the sacrament simply because there's going to be another human person in that sacrament, in that confessional, with you. Rather... Recognize Christ in the priest. Even if the priest is a dirtbag, recognize Christ is able to use as an instrument us priests. We are all sinners. We are all dirtbags to a certain extent. But that doesn't keep Christ from being able to use us in the sacraments. In other ways, absolutely. Our sinfulness can prevent Christ from being able to use us in certain ways. Not entirely, of course. He can do what he wants. But we can certainly be ones who impede or put an obstacle between us and Christ's will in using us to sanctify and bless people but in the sacraments it doesn't matter how holy I am it doesn't matter if I'm in the state of mortal sin or the state of grace it doesn't matter if I pray 19 hours a day or not one second of a day if I am a truly validly ordained priest with the faculties, in other words, the jurisdiction to be able to confess somebody's sins and somebody comes to me with a penitent, humble, heart, contrite, and a desire to do better and confesses their sins honestly to the best that they can, specifically every mortal sin, to the best of their knowledge, and I say, I absolve you, this is absolution. This is the power of the keys. This is uh, the, 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 the reality of the forgiveness or the absolution of those sins. This we will end uh, with. Appreciate the sacrament of penance, not just because of its medicinal power, not just because it is putting yourself but before a judgment seat here on earth so that you don't have to face one with mortal sins in your soul after your death and, and after leaving this world. Rather, Confession also is a beautiful thing because of the way in which we are able to, in a sense, see eye to eye with God once again. By mortal sin, we entirely turn our back to God. It is by way of the sacrament of penance ordinarily that we are able to look once more heart to cor heart. Cor loquitur. That is heart to heart speaking or heart, speaking to heart. And then also, as I mentioned, reconciliation. That C-I-L-I-A there is a Latin word meaning eyelash because in reconciliation we have such an intimate conversation, such an intimate uh, communion with Christ that it's as if we are eyelash to eyelash, mouth to mouth. It is a type of spiritual kiss from Christ to us. It is Him, once again, pumping out more blood from His sacred wounds, into our soul, to sanctify, to strengthen, to purify, to help, and to bless. So appreciate the sacrament of confession more and more, and this will definitely lend itself to helping you to grow in sanctity. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and please join us back here for our next episode where we will speak about matter and form. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May your holy name, O God, all good, all perfect, all eternal, forever be praised and blessed, from our lips, from our actions, and from our dispositions. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.